Hello, Jeremy. Hello, Raphael. Merry Christmas, belated Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where are you this holiday? Uh, we're at home, but we just we went to Montauk for the weekend. We did Christmas uh, by the beach, winter beach. Oh, wow. In we your just, new car? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the new car makes all these little trips a lot more accessible. And then um, it was nice because we, it's funny, we didn't wash dishes. New Year's, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after, zero dishes. So no dishes. Nice. You don't have a dishwasher? We do, but you know, then you have to wash the, wash the pans and you have to take it out of the dishwasher. And mm. it's never dry when it comes out of the dishwasher. You have to shake it down and wait two hours. For, you know, life is hard. And, no, I know. My parents have like a two dishwasher. I think it solves every problem. Like it's uh, two drawers. And uh, <laughs> let's, let's do an episode about dishwashers, Ralph. That's um, not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I washed dishes in a restaurant for maybe two or three years in high school. So I know all about it. Mm, that's really like the um, usually the rags to riches story, like everyone who started it. I, I'm, I'm starting to learn that I grew up in a country where people are comfortable with a lot less comforts and it's normal to have that kind of job and it doesn't mean no one i knew no had a car before age 25 let's say so -hmm. the idea of like being in high school with a car you would have to be extreme baller and here it's like everyone so well you get a handed hand-me-down car no one has a new car when they're 25 no i know i know but just a car like i was talking about we we you know, the Montauk, and then you drive through the Hamptons. It's a very wealthy area. And we stopped at Starbucks, and it's just everyone comes in with these brand new Uggs and sweatpants and sort of not even wearing a coat, but just a blanket wrapped around them. Everyone looks like they're rolled out of bed into Starbucks and then rolled back in their SUV. Mm-hmm. And I've, I was like, these people did not ever get up at 7 in the morning to bike in the rain to school. Like, <laughs> and it, it's, it's weird because the U.S. is... The way it's portrayed to Europeans is like, it's always about the underprivileged and how hard it is. But then the wealthy here is so spoiled. It's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, you um, do have to like, you know, there are different geographies. You're in Manhattan. It's going to be... A yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but maybe what I mean is... Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it, it seems that Americans will put up with a lot of stress in exchange for physical comfort. And I think... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Europeans or Dutch people will be like, well, I'll only work three and a half hours a week, but I won't have a car and, a, and I'll have a smaller apartment and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the work to live, live to work. Yeah. By the way, yeah, so yeah. I'm in, um, I'm in uh, Maryland or suburban DC, Silver Spring, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you hear... How, how you know, long of a drive is that from Toronto? It was about 10 hours with charging. Like uh, you have to add with charging, which, which honestly <laughs> is kind of nice. Like every time... We charged. I was like, oh, do we have to leave already? Because it's like, if you're not yeah. used to like driving. Um, well, you have to eat also. Well, exactly. But not only that, like, so there's no, like, it never takes more than 30 minutes to charge. So you're, you're actually a little bit rushed. Like, but did, um, did you spend the night somewhere? No, no. no. 10 hours. We, we left around like 10. We got here around um, six or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people would be yeah. like, oh, let's go to a certain town that we always wanted to see for one day yeah uh well we had this like plan that if we got we we got also got covid tests on our way down like we stopped at a cvs in a small town and got rapid tests because that's the thing to do you know you're not supposed to be visiting family but you know if you get i'm not gonna say anything on this topic yeah so yeah yeah, i mean you can shame me i don't mind um (laughs) no i i I read the asymptomatic testing is i don't know i i find it all very funny but yeah well yeah it's true um unless you have symptoms it's kind of a waste but we did it anyway just to make everyone feel safe and uh, we didn't have covid which is great we still don't we've been sitting here you know for a week in the same (laughs) house with everyone so um yeah world outside is burning down but anyway uh, i don't know like i keep seeing case counts well i left canada and canada's like on fire with you know in terms of case counts but stuff, is it so. yeah i don't know I, I just have a ton of friends and they all had COVID, but it seemed milder than the flu and they're like oh, they sneezed twice saying, yeah. and they tested positive and uh, mm-hmm. i don't know yeah unless you're immunocompromised then you're terrified right but yeah. um you're right like 
apparently the lot more younger people that are getting a little bit more sick. I think it's just it seems num- very contagious. Game. That that much yeah, is clear. Contagious. It's like yeah. you hear everyone is getting sick. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it it's not as scary as it was a year and a half ago. Well, yeah, and I'm I'm triple vaccinated by default, so I'm looking for a quad triple vaccination. You know, vaccination. And weren't you like you had seventeen shots because you wanted one in every country or something? <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of joking that we, Kristen, we could get one down here and then one back in Canada. That we, we we'd be like a year ahead. Like, yeah, like you yeah, just get ahead of this thing. Passport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, and I'm not even sure if um, privilege factors in anymore because um, there are more. There's more supply than demand in a lot of regions. So, um, yeah, yeah. Like even in yeah. South Africa, they're having a hard time getting people to take uh, the extra vaccines. So. Here we are. Uh, it's mm-hmm. an interesting break. We've been at home. We've been watching a lot of movies. I'm with, I, uh, I, I, I don't know how you feel, but I have been a little bit down about this. I was really excited when everyone got the vaccine, and I really thought we were fixing it. And this has been quite uh, mm. psychologically for me. I was really looking forward to being able to travel again. And, and I was like, okay, I'll get all the shots, then yeah. I'll... I'll be first in line for whenever the border in Japan opens. And then it, it looked like it was going to open and they were accepting the American vaccination card. And the if you had a business in, invite, it was only three-day quarantine. So I was all excited. And then Omicron happened. And then it's like, okay, back to nothing. And I don't know what the long-term plan is. It's just that maybe travel is just the thing of the past and we're just going to, you know, Netflix is our life now. Yeah, yeah. Strap on your VR headset and, and uh, go for a little walking tour of Paris. Uh, you know, yeah. On your. I mean, do, uh, do you miss travel? International travel? Well, I'm traveling right now and I'm about to come visit you in New York. Yeah. Um, it's funny for our listeners, Raf was like, we're definitely not recording this in person because we've only ever done that once. It was extremely <laughs> awkward. Um, well, I, I said let's not record in person because it's uh, more difficult with a... Uh, Two microphones. Oh, we, have to, and... we have to sit near each other. It's like a, you know, our lips might touch. <laughs> just, kidding. Mm, yeah. just kidding. No, no, no. But uh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to make Raphael just just so our, our listeners know, sometimes <laughs> I'm closer to the mic than you are or the, the other week, and then I can adjust the volume of each one in the mix, and it's easy. So I don't know how that works when we're both in the same room. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. No, it's just. Um... <laughs> <laughs> just joking around um yeah. but i, I mean but, maybe maybe you know we did the year in review but maybe one little year in review thing like we both came from an extreme travel lifestyle a couple of years ago you you had to cut it off because it was really too much but um do you miss the live performances and the engagement with the, the audience and, and that yeah, kind I feel of like we've checked on this in on this a bunch of times to a certain yeah. extent yes but also um, you know, in the last three months, especially with remote work and, you know, I've come around to this idea that like, it's a full 360, like, you know, where I started my career and my life, um, making work for like, um, the internet and meeting people all over the world through this tiny little window. Um, that's kind of how, that's where I've ended up, you know, again, and, it was my earliest advantage and kind of helped me find my identity actually really early on um, in ways that we've discussed on this podcast, but that I don't think I would have if I was um, not so digitally inclined. So there's all these advantages that we take for granted, digital advantages or div- digital privileges. And, I, and I'm trying to think, I'm thinking through those digital privileges these days and like, how do I teach more people to participate in this environment or make this environment better, right? Mm-hmm. So, and but then there's the the, the counter argument that the digital privilege is also a privilege in physical space. That if you take, for example, uh, projections on buildings or LED screens outside, that's something that a traditional artist would have a hard time with. And for a digital artist, you could just yeah, what I mean is, in, in the beginning, sure. uh, digital exhibitions seemed really hard, and now it's actually is like, oh, there's no shipping, there's no insurance, you just uh, everything magically just appears on the wall. It's great, and uh, yeah. Well, I spent the day like kind of playing with augmented reality glasses, like coding today. Like I was just doing some studio experimentation, as you should I'm... when you visit family. 
<laughs> yeah, I had my father-in-law try on the glasses, and then I replaced his head with a cube and stuff. And we were chuckling about it. <laughs> it's like, um, and that's just like a weird. It was. It's kind of a a weird, surreal privilege to be in this, you know, in this space where um, that where like reality is kind of ma- malleable. I'm kind of getting a. I'm trying to get us to a segue here. I know. I know. For. I know. For a much anticipated review of a movie on this topic, but um, but ultimately that's true of like our life and identity in general right now, which is like, okay, you can fight against this idea that you think you know that that things will go back to normal, but you're fighting against going back to something that might not not have been the right thing in the first place, or um, or no better or no worse than the next thing. One of the things interesting about this is that. As you were younger, you probably were like, this change has to happen faster. People are so old oh in their God, ways yeah. and set in their ways. And now it seems you're like, well, this is where we're headed and I'll accept it. And you sound more like, uh, uh, does that, I guess it's the same change. No, no, no I think want. it's a really, really good point, which is I can remember being like, I, you know, I was, I, I loved electronic music because I love computers. And I was like, I have to love everything digital right like I'm gonna everything has to be system. digital and i remember being like i am not gonna listen to any music with guitars in it guitar is an analog instrument da, da, da. um and it was so stupidly dogmatic of me at the time but like i was really intent on making that like the definition of of me as a teenager and um and then that being my ideology did you want digital food at the time well like the star trek kind of thing like the yeah. Um, no, no, I or mean, like the silent my mom, approach. My mom always jokes that even, you know, in my, in my, especially even when I was like 12, 11 or 12, that I talked about how my head, I would rather be a jaw, like a head in a jar connected to a computer mm-hmm. than, um, and I made a video about that early in my, um, career, but like, I would rather that I really hated my physical body because I was very awkward. Um, I didn't really feel comfortable in my body. I think that's most people, right? At that age. Yeah, at that age, especially. I didn't, but also, you know, people um, gendered me differently. Like, you know, most most of the time, sometimes people would confuse me with a girl because I had long blonde hair and I, you know, had a certain look. I also Um, was, I was always confused with a girl, but I never took it seriously. I just thought like, oh, these people don't know Nirvana. That's yeah, how I yeah, saw that's it. that's a good point. Like later, I had glasses, and it was like I was Harry Potter or whatever. But, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I I definitely felt the piercing stare of like the world around me it was like, mm. you are going to be this, and I was like, in the digital world, like online, I I feel like I I don't have that feeling. Like I felt it felt like I was able to build something of my own. You know, mm-hmm. which um, I think probably pushed me even further in that direction because I was a nerd, obviously. Like that's the subtext here, <laughs> but. <laughs> I was like, I, f- I was famous on the internet, but I was a loser at high in high school, right? So, and so I every find time that you hard ha- to you- believe, I'm sure you had a lot of friends. Oh no, it was the rent of the litter for sure. And I'm thinking about this a lot right Weren't now. Weren't there other like- people with with computer interests and and uh, your interests? Not really. I mean, no. there was like a co- you know maybe one or two other people. Period. Um, in my school, anyway. Uh, a French school, maybe that was why. I don't know. The yeah. French are always behind. They were all talking about croissants. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're really into smoking. Uh, yeah. And... Striped t shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had a funny art teacher at the time, and all of the art supplies were stored in smoking tobacco tins. Oh, that's good. Uh, Gitans. That's the real French way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Where am I going? I mean, we we, we were going to review this the Matrix. movie. The Matrix. Ma- Segway. Yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Summary. Like, I just summarized The Matrix for you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you were like Neo. You're like, oh, I don't understand, but I have this energy, and, and, and there's this system, and something's wrong, and I the can feel it. The doctor keeps trying to tell me it's disassociative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a new Matrix out uh that actually, I couldn't. By the way, I just finished. I haven't finished watching it. I've got thirty minutes left to watch. I just watched it before I got on the podcast. You watched the whole thing, but I won't yeah, be able we to give any spoilers because I don't know how it ends. We oh, you went to the, the actual theater, theater not HBO yeah. Max theater. No. Um, so you yeah, paid good money. <laughs> we paid good money, sat in a good chair with a, a good soda and a good 
Jarf popcorn. And let me ask yeah. you this. Did the audience all stay for the whole movie or did some people walk out? They all stayed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, that's a good sign. That's the first yeah. good sign, right? But there was quite a lot of talking during the movie and people yelling. Chuckling? Was there chuckling? Yeah. Oh, there was yelling. No, there was like weird comments and yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a movie, obviously, that like you wouldn't want to be the person that was tasked with like writing or directing <laughs> this film. Like in the internet era, you you're, you would be, you know, inviting a lot of criticism. Like yeah, you'd almost you like know. Yeah, you'd be like, well, should we really make this? Well, do we like being criticized? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's so, it's yeah. almost like the, the internet is filled with opinions, and especially with movies, people feel very comfortable sharing their opinions. And the... Which is ironic, given what I just said, which is the internet felt like this friendly place. But yeah, yeah. definitely you're making this movie today, Twenty, what is it, 20 years after the last uh, Matrix movie? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, you're going to feel like putting it out into the world is inviting the internet to get... Yeah, mad at we you, should, which is... We should yeah. maybe talk a little bit about the original before we fall into the new one, but... Sure. Because uh, I don't think we ever did a full episode on The Matrix, but it always came up as a reference. Mm-hmm. What is reality? Yeah. And, and, and then, at the time, do you remember seeing The Matrix and it, it seemed like different movies had tried to talk about cyberspace. You had Lawnmower Man and you had Johnny Mnemonic and other ones, and then... The Matrix just nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I mean, especially the first one, I don't remember. I, I think I went to see it with a bunch of friends. I definitely did. But I feel like um, it immediately became this like kind of reference point, you know, so, you know, you could, it gave you this opportunity to talk about things that you couldn't otherwise talk about. Um, mm. The one I thing I, I never understood out. about the movie is, they're kind of spies. Like they, they enter the matrix and they don't want to attract attention because mm-hmm. there's constantly these cops, these agents following them. So you don't want to attract attention. Why do they dress so flamboyantly when you don't <laughs> want to stand out? I don't understand that at all. No, because they do want to stand out. That's the whole point of the movie, which I didn't really understand until I was rewatching stuff for the, you know, and watching this, the new But one. they don't I, want to be found by Mr. Smith. Yeah. But they also want to be themselves they want to they like, also want to fly about, the freak flag and say like, yeah hey, come with us <laughs> it's about freeing the mind so yeah. why would they constrain and, themselves and wearing long the leather jackets is very free yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 for sure it seemed what that's one interesting thing by the way about the new one is it's like they just transposed the old-fashioned like 20 years later and it has this like kind of res- retro nostalgia to it that I think well, it's they kind of... all kind of dress like pimps, like seventies, yeah, crocodile leather. No, yeah. I think like if you were going to like kind of bad raves in nineteen ninety nine or something like that, <laughs> you would you would go like I can remember my brother having a long leather jacket. He was like a DJ or something like that. Like yeah. nice reference to the Gestapo. <laughs> Yeah, and then like, but the idea was that they they had to stand out in contrast, I think, to the corporate suits that represented capitalism, kind of yeah, yeah trying yeah. to control our but minds. But it's it's a funny thought experiment. But what if they, instead of uh, being dressed very flamboyantly, they all just wore, let's say, a five uh, the Steve Jobs outfit. Like they all dressed exactly the same, like Steve Jobs, like black turtleneck and five hundred ones and New Balance shoes. Yeah, I think that would be like the movie Her or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like Spike Jones presents The Matrix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was actually thinking that like a much better, like several much better versions of The Matrix have come out since The Matrix. Mm-hmm. The last one being Get Out by Jordan Peele. Um, mm-hmm. You know, be, where like, you know, reality and um, I, I thought that Sorry to control. Bother You was kind of... A... Yeah, that's yeah. another good one, right? Yeah. But yeah, sorry, sorry to bother, to bother you is example. my favorite woke movie. Yeah, because yeah. it has for a our sense listeners who don't know that it's also a movie where there are where human horse hybrids. What are they called? Like yeah, workhorses. No, no, they have a name. They're like uh, Minotaur. No, in the movie they're like oh yeah, um, they're like equina and equine. No, what is something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, gotta go back and equestrian. Watch that. It's great. 
<laughs> we did a review, so if yeah. you want to go back to the old episode. So what's our opinion on the, the Matrix 4? Equihumans, I think they're called. Um, well, on the, yeah, so here's the thing. I also played this uh, demo for the, the Matrix. Um, they created a Unreal. There's a new version of Unreal Engine, which powers a lot of games. And they wanted to showcase what was going to be possible on PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox. And I bought my father-in-law a new Xbox for Christmas. So I booted up this demo and it's like it's based it's in the Matrix. And they wanted to show that now they could make the Matrix as a video game. And mm-hmm. you can play this demo. And it's actually incredible. Like, you know, Neo's in the video game and, and you know, all the characters are there. And they you're like, is this video or is this real? And then you find out it's actually the video game um and you can like toggle things on and off and stuff and and so when i was watching this movie in the first 10 minutes they were working really hard to remind you of the old movies and but they first start like they also mentioned that he's a video game programmer like neo's like become a video game programmer of creates worlds yeah yeah and then I was like, wait a second, why did they even make this as a movie? Should it, should it not have been made as a video no. game and today? then he had the meeting with his manager, and he's like, well, we got to make the sequel, otherwise Warner Brothers is just going to do it without us. And they, yeah, they I really guess said that in the movie. Yeah, it's very meta, which I heard yeah. criticisms of, criticism of before. But I think that all that meta criticism, I was like, yeah. even though it's cheesy, like it was like winking at you for the I first have, hour. I have a couple of criticisms, but... One of them is that this idea that AI and simulation and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. To me, the stock market and advertising, like advertising is the AR thing and the stock market is the AI thing. Mm -hmm. Advertising puts this layer on reality where it it creates an idealized world that you can never live up to. Yeah, that's the that's the dream world. So that already exists. And so mm-hmm. people are like, oh, AR is coming. It's like, no, no, no. It's all those already here, commercials yeah. that make you feel inadequate. Yeah, it's and called then, your Instagram feed. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. That whole, mm-hmm. like, oh, I wish my parents had done this when I grew up and then I'd be a complete human being. And, and yeah, then you have to I go into therapy. New, yeah, if I only got this yeah. like, new... And the, um, the other thing, thing of, like, the machines that are obsessed with efficiency, that's already... Wall Street, like abstracting everything to numbers. Like the, the the fact that the stock market doesn't look at like, hey, this person's out of a job yeah. and they really need a job. It it dehumanizes already because everything's spreadsheets. Yeah, I think if you need to, ch- to create a children's book that described, you know, how capitalism normalizes outcomes for society, then you would create the Matrix. You'd be like, and then <laughs> the yeah. fairy tale princess dodged a bullet in bullet yeah. time. <laughs> But the Something. but the the irony of of American filmmaking to me always is that everything's solved with violence. It it, it just well, they kind of tried to they tried to investigate that in the yeah. In this film. But but in the end, like uh, Mad Max, the last one had a female hero, mm-hmm. and Star Wars had a lot of female heroes and everything. And you just take the worst qualities of men, which is like not being able to share emotions and then uh, solving everything with violence. And then you just change the actor. That's all you do. But you take the same toxic male behavior and yeah. then you just get a diverse cast to do the same, basically being a psychopath. No, I was arguing with someone today, actually, my mother-in-law, that um, masculinity and toxic masculinity are now tied. So like you can't really separate masculinity from toxic masculinity. No, no, I'm saying you can. I'm, I'm saying that... Uh, a female protagonist who solves problems with no, violence. I know, I know, yeah. No, I'm it, saying is like when you think of male identity now, like, and so you're saying, you know, if you have a woman protagonist, there you're basically ascribing toxic masculinity. No, to no, I, I think then you're conflating different things because then you're basically saying if a man is peaceful, he has the good qualities of a woman, and if a woman is violent, she has the bad qualities of a man, and so then there's. I, I think that's too simplistic or it's it's basically No, I mean I think the film one thing that's great about the the Matrix though, um, at least didactically, because I and I have to, I think that that's the right word to use with the Matrix, because it's like it very this I don't know if it was like this in the old ones, I have to go back and rewatch them, but this one in particular, they made they they were very careful to explain things. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. We because this it, is why we are here. Yeah, and yeah, no, were, it, it but the main like thing I just want to get out. That yeah. You were never in the action. You were never like, oh my God, is he going to win or lose? It, everything was comment. 
So it, I think yeah. the first one is like, whoa, he skipped the bullet. Oh my god! And now you know he they can do all those tricks. So then they just sit. I guess that it's the whole movie is a a Reddit thread. But what just like the point I wanted to make was they bring up non that not everything is a binary that it's not all good versus evil, white versus black, male female, and that you know a non binary state. And this is where I'm. I haven't watched the last thirty minutes, and I'm I'm like, how are they going to resolve still everything's this? violent. Is everything still binary? <laughs> like, everything's violent, not binary, but violent. Uh, yeah. Well, the violence I think in the movie anyway is representative of a binary conflict, which is for me to win, you have to lose. That's what mm-hmm. violence is, right? And that's a zero sum game, or what um, you know Simon Sinek calls like a that's like a a finite game. There's an ending to it, right? Every movie mm-hmm. has movie has an ending too. But there are infinite games, which are like ones where um, there is no winner or loser. Or I think we've quoted like the art of war, where the way to win is is never to attack, right? It's if, if everyone wins, that's a, that's great for all, right? And even like political negotiations, globalism, and you know, even capitalism eventually realized like actually, if we neg- you know we can negotiate fair outcomes for both sides, and that's better. Than going to war kind of thing and i think in the movie what is that line where she's like there are two things uh in this world there's like she the, one of the characters brings up how war is like the worst um outcome for for all i mean obviously but there, what's do you remember the line in the movie i just watched no, it like, i I, I have to say that this movie is I think Dune, the last Dune is the same and the last Blade Runner is the same. I just completely forget them when I walk out the theater. <laughs> well, the, I rewatched Dune, by the way, last night too. And um, it's impeccable, like from a visual standpoint. So no, it's so It boring. definitely lulls, Come on. It lulls, lulls you into Come on, its, it's so beauty. Boring. No, it's not boring. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's, it's so... Uh, it's Mad Max in, in, in the desert. <laughs> Wait, that is Mad Max. Uh, I don't. I, anyway, there's um, nothing. It, I think the the book is very psychedelic and weird, and there was nothing of that weirdness in the movie to me. Oh, I see. Well, he has his visions, right? And then, yeah, but it felt like someone who showed visions who didn't go through the process themselves. I see what you're saying. He should have gone on some more spice runs. Mm-hmm. But in the in the Matrix, just getting back to that, um, there you're right in that like the meta ness of it is ridiculous at times. There's like this scene where there's like um, a French kind of hobo like character. And He's he, from the Matrix Part Two, where he he has that fancy castle or something, a fancy house. Yeah. Yeah, but like he he's talking about how art was better before screens and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And so he definitely representing like the fr- the French like it's so it's not even representative. It's like literally the French are holding back like the Me Too movement. <laughs> like the French are holding back like <laughs> yeah, yeah, any yeah. kind of cultural or social sociocultural progression and then they're they're in the matrix and you're watching at it and I think like so if art is a mirror, this is like the clearest mirror. <laughs> yeah. uh, and maybe that, that, that makes it like not as fun to watch because there's not that much to interpret, um, potentially. I, I, think, I think The Matrix is a little bit of a tragic story where the first one was such a hit and then part two and three, everybody was bummed. And then part four, they have to talk about the whole disappointment of it all. And it, it all sounds... Um, you, you you can you can intellectualize it many ways, and like they're saying, they're trying to say A, B, C, or D. But overall, the first one was just such a not. I don't mean a hit in numbers, but just such a strong statement that. What well, can I think you do that that's what this is about. That's no, I know, I, but I, I, I understand I, that, yeah. that that's what this is about. But at the same yeah. time, it's like you threw the greatest party of all time and then you have another party where you talk about how great that party was. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, I think. I think this is basically like, hey, did you miss the first Matrix? Let us tell you about, let, let's give you the codex, like the, the, here's the manual, like the Matrix for Dummies version of that yeah. so you can go back and rewatch it um, and really understand what it was about, which is cool, I think, to a certain extent, right? Because a lot of the 
identity politics and and issues it was exploring were too too new for audiences to understand well yeah about the identity politics there's a the us asking to review this episode came from ben fino as well we we already talked about it and he messaged us on twitter and we were going back and forth a little bit and i was saying oh i'm a little bit worried to talk about this movie because it's a uh, gender issues are so sensitive and uh, you know I'm not that well versed and what can I say mm-hmm. but at the end of the movie which you didn't see yet there's a, a cover version of there's a Rage Against the Machine song at the end of the first movie and then at the end of this movie there's a cover song and it's a female singer which I'm not 100% sure and maybe they're not gender binary or whatever but it's a cover mm-hmm. and of course, I grew up with Rage Against the Machine, and I, you know, I saw them live when I was fourteen, and it was a big deal for me. But the idea that you're like, oh, that was a male song written by men, so now let's do a cover by a female. It to me that just feels so belittling. Like we couldn't find a female song that was as strong, so we're just gonna have a female sing this song and do a cover version. And then is that a meta comment that? the industry doesn't respect women or could we not find a powerful enough song, but I don't it's, understand it's this, like women doing covers of, of men's songs is like the issue. I, I think if, if this movie was about, um, I, I would have felt more hopeful or motivated or energized if it had been an incredible song that wasn't a cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should be. I think I mentioned on the last podcast. We'll mention it again. But the the Wachowski brothers transitioned to become the Wachowski sisters um, since the last movie was. Yeah, made. exactly. Yeah, and they, you know, and they would. I don't know how. Actually, I haven't read very many interviews with them, but I wonder whether they were actually um, how they felt about it at the time. They they were obviously when they were writing. The, this would be my interpretation. These are assumptive interpretations, but like while they were writing the Matrix. The original, they were probably thinking through, you know, I can't imagine that they weren't thinking through their own identities. Um, but I did see like a, a brief snippet of an interview where they're like, the time is right for this, the version that, you know, so much has changed, but, you know, so much has is still at stake in present day. Yeah. You know, some of the same issues are still hanging in the balance. Well, um, I'm seeing it more, uh, just to finish my statement, it's more of a superficial yeah. thing of like, Oh, we should have a female James Bond. Why not invent a new genre that is not trying to be James Bond? It's really that simple. It, it, to me, it's the same with vegan food. You don't try to emulate meat. Why don't you go with vegetables and make something amazing that can only no, be vegetables? I, sure. I, I, I actually would agree um, with you in so much as like this film is trying to use language from like 1999 or 2000, whatever, from the millennium. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. To... to, to to deal to grapple with the next generation of issues, which I think, as I said earlier, there are other films and other media that have emerged. And you know, it's like, like I said at the outset of the podcast, I'm literally I'm changing my my father's father in law's head into some other object in you know in their living room. Like that was how I spent the like. It's not far. We're not like the the Matrix is actually really. It's very nostalgic in in a way because it's like. It's almost like a black and white talkie, you know, like, you know, it, it, it's so out of date in terms of um, the present state of affairs, technologically, socially. I think the so, the social aspect of it is the, the things that it presents as cutting edge for yeah. a certain segment of North Americans anyway, would be considered conservative to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. The, um, the, the coolest thing I thought was that the, the coffee shop was called the Simulate. <laughs> But like at the end of the day, like we are, the, I I wonder because I'm in a bit of a tech bubble, right? Like how you know going back to my teenage self, like did everyone come along for the ride? Like my my siblings, um, I have two non-binary siblings as an example, right? They they and they found those identities without the internet being the the major major driving force, right? Like. So, so, you know, I don't even know whether this is a technology story so much as like a social progress story and um, and one, you know, where well, the Matrix has to, yeah. does, doesn't need to play the same role it did like 20 years ago. There are other, there are potentially other films that are doing it better, which that was my original point. And then I do believe like it's odd 
that it's not a video game, that it's a film. Mm-hmm. And you said that it's because Warner Brothers is going to make it anyway. Sure, that kind of postmodernism is like, you know, it's Fight Club. That's also a 90s kind of way of making a film. Um, also you know, glorifying violence. Well, and also just like, we understand this is capitalism. We're here to make money. Yeah, wink, wink, but we're going to do it anyway. And we're going to make, <laughs> you know, tear down the man from the inside. I think, yeah. you know, subversion is an interesting topic. Oops, I or... made a lot of money. I'm part of it now. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I did it again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like every Marvel movie, but every superhero movie does that now, right? Well, like, maybe that's a good point. Like, I, I think... I think what you're getting at is interesting because you're talking about the simulation and the level of technology. And I think we've seen so many tropes and so many levels of of special effects that nothing wows us anymore. There's the bullet time or whatever. Or Oh my God, the special effects seemed like I was watching a 1990s film, actually. Yeah, I feel but, like they but, didn't even But what I mean them. is the Marvel movies are a good example where first it starts mm. out like, oh, there's a bad guy. I got to defeat the bad guy. Okay, that's a mm. movie. Second movie is like, oh, there's 10 bad guys. And the third movie is like, oh, if we don't do this, we'll blow up the galaxy in every multiverse until the end of time and history of time and beginning yeah. of time. And everything's at stake and the music is so intense. And no, where but do you go like, from? And like the, and the like, dishes have become so salty and spicy that there's, there's no other flavor anymore. And, but I would argue not only that, but they're like, yeah, and we're going to like break the space-time continuum and surf through multiverses yeah. using strength, yeah, yeah. you know, quantum theory. To yeah, we're going to evaporate like half infinity. of every molecule in the planet randomly. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. And then they create a special effect to simulate that. And we're like, whoa, no one's ever seen the inside of a black hole. And then yeah. comes along the Matrix and they're like, bullet <laughs> Look, I've sped it up. I've sped up the video and I've slowed it down. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's somewhat laughable. Like it's charming. But I think I think that's that's must have been a big part of the difficulty of making this movie that they were very aware that the audience well, remember, has seen every uh, we special doing... effect and every violence and every action movie trope and everyone knows them. Yeah, I mean I mean it, there there are some charming points in the movie, by the way, we should mention, like the machines becoming like friends with them and like hanging oh, out. Oh, you didn't stop. <laughs> oh, that was kind of cringy. <laughs> of course it was cringy, but I loved it. And, the, and those, it those like... uh, softwares becoming uh, physical particles, it, it kind of looked like lawnmower, man. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I think as we're talking, a lot of stuff comes to mind. Like a lot of the uh, the success of the first Blade Runner and of the first Matrix is that the highest state of realism is just regular life. So that we've this technology has evolved that it's indistinguishable from reality. So then you just film regular people and then your mind is like, whoa, that's high tech. Right, right. But when you do the floating particle lawnmower man character, then all of a sudden it, it there's that uncanny valley. It's not real enough. And then it's kind of unsatisfying. And um, so they, they sort of... They had a key strength that they walked away from. But I think I was talking to someone there like it was always a camp movie, even in the originals. And this is just a, and this is a camp exposition and it it's using it its own. You know, they use their own vocabulary again in this in this version. They didn't need to invent anything new. They ta- actually meta talk about that almost like as an apology in the first 30 minutes of the film. <laughs> um, yeah. And and so there you are. Like I, I don't know. Maybe they only need to do the first thirty yeah. minutes and say like, "Hey, we're not going to make this." But and one of the the aspects that did speak to me is this sort of Neo is this or Thomas Anderson is this sensitive, confused artist who's creating worlds that is very successful, but at the same time has a lot of mental issues. And I think going through the lockdown and our audience and everyone, you know, they all have rough moments and his sort of drudgery of the daily life and then going on the treadmill for exercise and not really going outside. And I thought that was an interesting point that I think a lot of people will feel like you see that and you're like, yeah, there are days that I feel like, Oh mm. fuck. But then they cast the therapist as like the villain, like that. I have to <laughs> the analyst. To my they, call the yeah. they call him the yeah. analyst. But the only reason I think that makes some sense is like, if, you know, if you think about, um, you know, well, he has to take the there. blue pill every day, so that, that's part. Right. Of it. He's like drugged up to stay in in his lane. Yeah, so I guess they they needed to somehow occupy the space of like mental health without being offensive, but somehow anyway. And then there's like conversion therapy on one side of that 
that yeah, you have yeah, to like yeah. consider like people yeah which is really what bad. about um, but but maybe back to the more personal and and back to what we began work from home the endless uh lockdown we're not sure when we can ever travel when we can go oh right yeah yeah i mean the, so that that to me has a lot of ties to this movie and it does it feel so you've completely embraced it and you're like i'm so happy sitting behind the same laptop every day on zoom it's totally cool i think that's the other way to to read this which is like hey we're all living inside the matrix right and like here's how they had fun <laughs> so they like you know they they opened a lot of windows it's funny that they use the the term modal by the way in Mm-hmm. in this film to describe this just so our listeners know that like to to glitch the system they create like a mini simulation that runs on top of the simulation called a modal but that's just a, a modal is just a window in software language <laughs> like it's a mm. pop-up yeah. um so it's something that exists on top of something else but that's what an operating system is so they, they, um you know i think if you were to yeah stretch out what you were just describing raf like ultimately our work days are spent inside of you know, something similar to that. And a, um, a friend of mine, for yeah, like, and even sometimes there's a video game aspect to it, um, or that's what people are working on now. Um, a, like a, someone that I had in one of my um, product mentorship um, programs recently launched a startup called um, uh, Campfire, and it's like they're building like a game engine version of Zoom. And so like you jump mm. in and then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're in like, you can play dodgeball together and then like, you know, sit around a virtual fire. And I remember when the pandemic started, people were like, there were all these articles like, don't go on Zoom, like use Red Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption, Redemption instead, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can be like a cowboy. And then of course, you're not far from um, describing Westworld at that point, right? But, like, but back to the personal, like, um, yeah. I spoke to someone who's sort of a high up person and a friend, but knows a lot of tech CEOs and stuff. And he says productivity is way down and all the leadership wants people to go back to the office, but the workers don't. They're like, no, fuck that. I so haven't heard it, the productivity it, is down, but quality is definitely down. Yeah. but like, So in a funny way, people prefer the Matrix, even though it's presented as a dystopia. People are like, I don't want to be in the car on the way to work and all that shit when I can just do it from home and have two hours extra in my day. Mm-hmm. So there, there is this weird thing where things are presented as a dystopia, which actually are quite pleasant. And I, I don't, I don't know if the movie addresses that. I, I guess in the first movie, there's the the guy Cipher who's like, put me back in the Matrix. I, I want to wake up and be a famous actor. Or I want right. to go back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me just like be lulled into this like perfect desire desirable state i don't i don't want to be in the broken sweater on the cold ship with the protein porridge i mean in this movie the trinity is like you know in this you know quote unquote like you know desirable um family with two kids and a husband and then she says you know in their first coffee conversation her and neo like i never wanted to have a family i felt forced into it right um and that's you know explicitly you know, to take a stab at this, um, the critique of the film and the series in general that, you know, you have to break your your mind free of the normative constraints of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the Richard Serra argument of, you know, television delivers people from the 1980s. And, um, but some people, like you said, like you always talk about, you know, like, and I, and I definitely don't hold this point of view, but like Americans love, Americans love, um, you know, <laughs> Coca-Cola and, you know, fatty ribs or whatever. I don't know. What is it you always say on the podcast? You're always like, everything should be like dipped in Coca-Cola. And yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. But everything's <laughs> but sweet like and the, salty. The, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. The, the sugary, fatty, salty version of the world is the one that, you know, it tastes yeah. so good. You can't yeah. resist it. Right? There's a, there's a sci-fi book uh, called Quality Land. And I think Mike Judge was trying to make a, tv show about it that's why i read it and it it was kind of about the tyranny of convenience where it you might ideal ideally idealistically you might think i should do a b c or d but the choices are just so convenient and one of the foods they have in that in that novel i think it's called fasasu it's fat salt sugar and it's basically like big chips of caramel and uh, but yeah. they call it fat salt sugar. It's just a bag of fat salt sugar. That's like a kettle corn for me. Kettle corn popcorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to ask you to show some vulnerability. Okay. Because I'm, I think you, you, you... And so, do you really... Being a computer person, always being on the computer, do you prefer the new world of working from home? Which, to me, the working from home thing, I've done it voluntarily for a long time, so apparently I like it too. Mm-hmm. And are you sort of trying to be positive and say like, hey, let's make the best of it? Or are you saying this is actually better and I would never want to go back to the office? What I'm saying is it's not one or the other. I think it's like it's like but, just another. But it seems to be, it seems to be... One or the other. Yeah, I just don't think it's productive at this point, right? I mean, and productive is actually a subjective term. Um, yeah, it's a capitalist point, like, term. Productivity is actually down. Yeah. yeah um, I think, I think it, you know, if I go back to my original position, which is that I didn't start out working with teams in person. Yes, it's, like, incredible to connect with people in person. And I remember I was a... One of my first jobs by accident, I was like failing in school and I applied for this like special program with a sociology professor at the University of Toronto. And the only reason I got the job as a research assistant was I had the lowest grades of any applicant she'd ever seen. (laughs) And she was like, why did you apply for this? And and she was like, there must be something interesting about you. By the way, lesson, you know, like just because you're not qualified doesn't mean you shouldn't apply. So I got the job. And then I kept learning over and over again from her research. She studied telework, which at the time was what they referred to as remote work. People who would like do email and teleconferencing, like phone conferencing to manage their work. Right. And she was looking at that as her study, Janet Salif. And she the research concluded over and over again that it's impossible to keep people apart, that no matter how far flung they are in the world, they will find a way to meet in person, whether you may, even if you make it, you forbid it. They'll like th- go behind yeah, your back. I know, I know what you mean. I think I'm frustrated that we tried to throw a housewarming party and uh, uh, 18 out of 20 people canceled or something. So that, that's the undertone for me, revealing something personal. So you go back to research and numbers. I'm just curious about Jeremy. But Jeremy, like at the time, was like because you're such a social person, so that's. But I wasn't necessarily at the time, right? Like I told you, I didn't have that many friends, right? But I can remember the first time I met you, and I met other internet artists in person. I felt validated in a way that the internet had never validated me before, and so I think the same thing is true in my work life. I I had the most anxiety and the most miserable year, the first year of the pandemic, because. I didn't feel like I could be my whole self with, you know, with other people, right? Mm-hmm. And that there was so much missing, you know, so much missing information in terms of caring for other people and being cared for and seen, like I wasn't being fully seen. And I joked about it on the podcast, like I was wearing filters that were like bending my identity in meetings and things. But what I didn't share on the podcast is like, I have like one, on one occasion at least, someone called me out for wearing digital makeup in a meeting and they said that that was inappropriate and offensive and I felt like I couldn't be like be myself again after that right felt shamed um did you did you feel like you you had done something wrong they made me feel like I had done something wrong and my and the, the manager at the time and this is it's not even something you're really allowed to do was like well you should be more you should come out more and, and you should come out and make a statement about who you are to everyone. And I was like, but I've been doing that like for I've worked here for like 11 years and I finally feel comfortable. I've led so many of the inclusion initiatives in this company to get people to the point where everyone feels comfortable being themselves. Right. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that's when The Matrix was is why it is still a powerful movie or and why I, I refuse to just like trash it completely because obviously it's campy and cheesy and there's all kinds of like obvious nearly you know illustrative or didactic kind of presentation in the movie but at, if it made people feel like they could be more themselves which i think the the premise of the movie seeks I, to try and do I that have a hard you know? time i have a really hard time like to me the end of the day the movie you just you you walk off with a feeling like oh i i could watch this 10 times i want to see it again it's stuck with me and it doesn't have this for me. I understand no, the no, argument yeah. of like someone yeah. feeling like, hey, 
it's okay to be different, etc. Yeah. But at the same time, it's such a commercial venture that the, there is there's such a big entity behind it that if that is the context from where you want to be set free is kind of scary to me. So that No, I think you're I think you're right. And so that comes and, back to the original and, and, position. But maybe what I what I'm just to finish like I feel like the big movie industry has gained a lot of ground and consolidated and like Disney buying every franchise in the world that nowadays maybe what before would be art house or alternative cinema where you could figure out weird stuff and like watch a Jodorowsky movie and be like oh you could be you can really be out there and nowadays it's like oh i watched doctor strange that's a really weird movie because it it's i i cringe yeah but i'll share whole, two data points with you yeah. like one you're right like most people who feel like they don't fit in have to move to a big city right to be among people in physical places <laughs> that make them mm-hmm. feel the way you know that they're their whole, their whole self at the same time i was talking to a friend who works in trans health and then they said that the pandemic had been a huge boon for teenagers who were, you know, struggling with um, identity um, to get access to health services, like mental health services, you know, relative to their gender identity. And so, you know, because telehealth became an, mm. an like yeah. much more accessible during. And so, you know, going back to that remote work thing, it's not all just for productive output it's yeah, for yeah, like yeah. you know self-affirmation but I, and i don't think it's one or the other i think that there are some things that the virtual does very very well um including access right i think to a certain extent um sometimes well, I, not I, I always felt that the, the, board, the virtual is very good for introductions to, and, and it's exactly what you described like you were making internet art and people around the world are making internet art and it made the introduction when you meet in person much more meaningful because we both had a lot to talk about instead mm-hmm. of describing, you know, when you meet another artist and you've never seen their work, it just makes it so much easier. If you see one exhibition or a couple of photos, Like the conversation is a lot more interesting after that point. Yeah. So I feel like the internet is really awesome for exhibiting and for showing your work and showing what you're about. But I, I think then the community aspect of doing shows together, doing talks together, seeing each other, um, that is, you know, there's Discord and there's this podcast and things, but. Well, that's a a crazy thing. We get so many emails, you know, on this podcast that of people who get access to conversations. Well, if it's ever possible, I think we should organize a conference and like uh, have have a number of talks of different people and uh, presentations. Maybe yeah, that's the conclusion yeah, because of we this, have so many interesting movie. people. Yeah, and there's so yeah. many interesting people that have emailed us over the years. And well, that that was, I mean, with it was literally. Did we meet at BYOB or did we meet before? You and I met at yeah outside of um, that gallery in Chelsea. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Where there was a BYOB, but yeah, that was the first BYOB in New York, and then, uh, th- but that's exactly what I mean with a conference or the, I just think. And it's exactly to the point of this movie. It's not binary, but Mm -hmm. I think it's very powerful to have online communities. And then it's very fun and powerful to meet in person and uh, organize things and and do things together. And and so, yeah, I I hope we can organize that one day. Yeah. And and that's why I'm coming to New York and I'm going to see you in person. But and I think that um, but we wouldn't even have a relationship. You know, if we had said like, well, it has to be in person, like, you know, this podcast wouldn't exist without the Internet. Yeah. So, yeah, no, of course, I'm not I'm not saying the Internet is bad or anything like that. But I do think um, th- that was maybe what what resonated with me the most in this movie, this sort of the 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 too much routine and every day the same. And like mm-hmm. that, that part I live close to the water in the, in Manhattan, but they just closed off part of the park because they have to, uh, because of the last uh, Sandy, the hurricane, they have to hurricane-proof everything. So the park by my water is going to be closed for seven years, which in New York language means, I don't know, 20 years. Forever, yeah. And so now I'm running on a treadmill in the basement, and it's just like, fuck. Oh, no, you've lost your promenade. <laughs> yeah and i can go a little further i can go on the train and you know i'll figure it out and blah blah, blah. It's, but that part of the movie really 
resonated with me where it's like the, the grind. Mm-hmm. No, and I have to admit, I live in a tiny apartment, so I might as and I've joked that I'm just like, you know, I got a special office chair so that I don't have to move as much. <laughs> you know, I got a better yeah. laptop. And but, I mean, it's a big deal. It's it's really it, it it. What's interesting to me is that we're all friendly people and we're all wanting to collaborate and cooperate. And you're like, sure. Oh, you know, there's a pandemic. Let's let's make it happen. Oh, there's a thing. And and then it starts to chip away at you, like small things mm-hmm. for a long time, like the water drop on your head. And I don't know. We'll see in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just spent the last two weeks kind of reconnecting with family. So I think it's um, I'm in a privileged position. I know not everyone has access to that or feels safe doing that. I'm even working with people who I work with in the same city and they're still afraid to leave their homes, right? Because mm. they've experienced a lot of trauma. I think it's like, um, you know... Well, maybe that's what I'm... Crazy. That's exactly what I was trying to say is that I think a lot of people have experienced trauma, but people want to be positive. Like It's just like, let's find a solution, but there's a lot of hurt underneath. And then you just say, no, that's a really go, good we'll make the best of it. And I, yeah. that to me always... I think your personality is like, let's find a solution. Let's do what's best for everyone. And then at some point I'm like, hey, Jeremy, are you okay? (laughs) Actually, that's a really good point. Kristen's trained me and so has my uh, mother-in-law that like solutionism in a personal context can be really dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Because not everyone needs to be fixed, right? Um, And not every situation needs to be fixed. Sometimes it just needs to be. Uh, well, it, it's that thing like, oh, you have some guests, that there's uh, four chairs, uh, who will sit on the stool? And then Jeremy sits on the stool and it's like, oh, there's a sixth guest. Jeremy, can you sit on the floor? Okay. Oh, the floor is kind of crowded. Jeremy, can you go to the basement? Sure, no problem. I'm happy to help. And then at some point, <laughs> you're like, you've been without daylight for three years. And it's like, where's Jeremy? Oh, shit, we locked him in the basement. We forgot the key. Yeah, well, the problem would be like, more likely I try and make a chair out of a loaf of bread or something and people end up... <laughs> without anything to eat so i'm fine i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah. anyway so i i did enjoy the film from from the point of view that it brought up all of these conversations that i forgot about or i didn't forget about that i've been talking about since the originals but i didn't you know i didn't really i think i said on the last podcast i never attributed to the matrix necessarily i think we talk about reality often but we don't talk about how, you know, if you think about the bubble politics of, you know, and cognitive bias and unconscious bias conversations of the last five years and structural racism and, um, you know, gender binaries and all of those issues, they were all in that original film. And it's mm. almost like this movie, the Wachowskis were well, like, I think hey, let's first, just remind everyone. Yeah, I think the first film had such a wow factor as far as action and special effects that uh, you would go run right past those issues. But here's the last thing I'll mention is like, and that I was, and I don't know if this is a misreading or not, but I didn't realize, you know, I was like, well, why do they have like these white male, like what this white male protagonist? And I know they have Trinity, but it's really Neo. And, uh, and I, and I was thinking, well, like that's just kind of interesting. Cause at the end of the day, um, this is like, it's, there's maybe an ally conversation in there because he doesn't, he never like switches his gender right in the in the movie even in this more updated one and right? he doesn't like they, want to be the hero he's he's being told to be the hero yeah exactly so there's something around savior you know white savior politics um this you know the danger of the cisgender white male like kind of trying yeah, to save prometheus the, world. the real hero yeah and i think that that was a new reading morpheus, for me there sorry. i was like yeah. yeah sure um and morpheus probably should be by the way, why wasn't Lawrence Fishburne in this movie? I, I haven't read anything about that, but I would. I was a bit troubled because he's still alive, isn't he? I'm not sure. The original. He um, didn't call me in a while. I'm not sure. Morpheus. <laughs> I thought you were friends. You know, don't you have yeah. coffee together? Anyway, I thought that, that's something I'm still simmering on. So, have you if, seen? Or if, or have if you seen Apocalypse thoughts, Now recently? I haven't gone back and watched it in the last. Because it's you know, it's Lawrence years. Fishburne on a boat and he's like 14 or something. It's, it's oh, uh, awesome! Wild to see him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Apocalypse Now is a great. Um, yeah, actually, I would. You might put it in a film festival with the, the Matrix and and with you know, sorry to bother you and get out. And yeah, stuff as yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Well, hope yeah, uh, we that that ramble was helpful for someone. <laughs> well, we're not trying to fix anything. Exactly, I think we're, yeah. in the movie, it seems to think it doesn't need to exist, but it can exist just as well. And you don't have to like it or hate it. You <laughs> could just kind of sit in it. <laughs> 
Uh, and I actually don't think that they were looking to like have a hit on their hands. It, it felt almost like they just wanted to remind you. Hey, this we movie, did this, thing, this movie, like, this movie is basically a band that did the greatest concert of all yeah. time at Woodstock. And now they have a reunion and then they're on, on stage going like, man, we suck. Everything okay. Last sucks. good point though. Like Steve Martin, born standing up. I love citing this quote from that book. Fantastic book by Steve Martin. And he, when he realized he, he quit standup comedy because he was playing stadium shows and no one to hear his new material. They mm. just wanted to hear his yeah, old yeah, yeah, jokes. Yeah. And he realized he had already done everything he needed to do. Yeah. Good yeah. job, Matrix. Good job, that's Bukowski. Weird, I, that's, that's, uh... You don't need to make anything new. Just, like, go to bed. <laughs> okay, good night, everyone. Good night. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Happy New Year, I guess. Happy New Year.